Does it appear to have um, all your parts? Completely, sir. Welcome everyone back to Trek Trudge. We are relaunching after a hiatus of too many months because I, I'm just kind of slack with organising this sort of stuff and um, it was probably a mistake to put me in pretend charge of this in the first place but here we are. We're, we're doing it again. We're back. And Star Trek's back as well. Um, just a few days ago we got a new trailer for the, for the new CBS All Access series Star Trek Discovery and it's very exciting. It's got the the youth oriented music and it's very visually stunning and it has the, uh, a nice cast and it's it's all there. It's all New Klingons too. Yeah, and they they looked like um, it was only uh, yesterday that we last saw them. Everybody everybody hates the new Klingons. Oh really? Hmm. Everybody Everybody I've I seen talk about this. I don't. I, I quite like them. Well, I, I think they're fine. So I guess we have three uh, contrarian... Um, <laughs> well, if, if there's a problem with the new Star Trek, it's not that they've changed the Klingons. Yes. So um, what, what what were your takes on the trailer? It looks it looks like a fun, action-y, spacey adventure show, but it doesn't necessarily look like it's Star Trek, which... I don't know whether that's a problem or not. Um, yes, well, we'll see because it comes out in September. Um, I should say that uh, we're joined today by me, James Sheaves, and uh, Byron Hussey, the uh, progenitor of the, the the podcast. Hello. And uh, by Drew. Hello. Um, so, uh, yeah, the... There's been a lot of uh, rumours swirling around uh, Discovery. I thought, um, uh, are either of you two familiar uh, with, with any of the behind-the-scenes gossip? I'm not. No. So, um, Brian Fuller uh, is the uh, showrunner that was originally hired to uh, produce Discovery. Uh, and he's m- most famous, I think, for Six Feet Under and more recently for American Gods, which is very successful at the moment and so people were very pleased I think that uh, a talent like that was brought on as showrunner and I believe one of his earliest uh, credits in the industry was he was a writer on Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. um, and Voyager I think I was a Voyager, right uh, Both. yes but he's not on the show anymore, he has departed um, it's ostensibly to focus on American Gods, which, I mean, fair enough. Two big shows. You don't want to be splitting your time. But according to rumour, uh, this is due to creative clashes with the, the president of CBS, Les Moonves, hmm. who seems to be kind of a, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, Are there any rumours as to the, the nature of those clashes? Yes, in fact. Um, okay. So... <laughs> Fuller is when 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 you have um, uh, Star Trek creatives, they tend to fall into one of two categories. You have the Trekkies who love Star Trek, have always loved Star Trek, and uh, 
um, want to be true to the uh, the legacy of the show and, and, and so forth. And then you have um, the creatives who don't really care about Star Trek, might not even really care about sci-fi in general, but they can do really good work. Like Nicholas Meyer was the director of uh, Star Trek Two and Star Trek Six, and he's involved with the new show, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, though I'm not sure whether it's in a directing or writing capacity or what. Um, he, d- he doesn't like Star Trek, really. He, he had no affection for it uh, when he was brought on uh, to direct, but he, he still made what people say are, are two of the better films. Where, whereas someone like Brian Fuller is on the Trekkie side. He loves Trek and, and wants to stay true to uh, the, the canon that's been established. And Les Moonves, on the other hand, president of CVS, kind of an you know, old guy really probably doesn't know allegedly doesn't know the difference between star trek and star wars really (laughs) Um, just kind of thinks uh this show it's got to look the most advanced uh, it's got to look you know sleek sophisticated uh who cares what some show from the 90s looked like or what what enterprise (laughs) looked like or what the original series looked like we're making a new show we're spending a lot of money on it so we're going to make it look really really good and and uh, you know, if that tramples on established continuity, then so be it. And this is the uh, the uh, crux of the the clash. Uh, it is rumored mm. that led to Fuller being dismissed. Um, and uh, so uh, I, you guys probably remember when the design of the ship from Discovery was first unveiled. Mm. Um, reaction was mixed looked a bit goofy yes. kind of like a big, circle and a big triangle uh-huh um so that's uh, uh part of the the deal with the um uh the established continuity clashing with the um with the new direction um Right. The the ship has since been slightly redesigned. I think the new design has like holes in the in the saucer, so it's kind of like concentric rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still the same sort of thing. Um, it was very clearly inspired by a piece of uh, well, some concept art that was done for the original Star Trek movie that they were going to make before the motion picture was put into development, called Planet of the Titans. And there's this uh, concept art painting by Ralph McQuarrie that has the the very distinctive triangle circle design. So it was it was clearly trying to harken back to that, um, although it doesn't. That's really a pretty uh, fashionable thing to do to to source old Ralph McQuarrie concepts that that weren't used and it, use them now. Yeah, that's that's what we're doing lately, isn't it? Because they did the same thing with Rogue One. Um, Darth Vader's castle was lifted from a Macquarie painting. Yeah. Kind of iffy because, like, of course, he's a very good concept artist, but um, he always seemed to be kind of a springboard that uh, people would then jump off of and come up with their own designs. So the the final look of Star Wars doesn't really look like uh, it doesn't look precisely like the Macquarie paintings, and so you know, I, I guess we're just you know we're we're just scraping the. Do, the do you think people being bothered about the aesthetics is the right thing to be bothered about? If there is something that's the right thing to be bothered about. Um, well, it speaks to a deeper concern, which is that uh, this show won't care about uh, what has been established before the time. Does that matter, though? I mean, does the con- does continuity matter? 
Um, I think um, I I like to uh, kind of straddle the the two camps because like you know your Nicholas Myers can make a very good movie that isn't really traditional Trek, um, but on the other hand, I think the the virtue of these you know works of fiction that take place in shared universes is that you can make them seem like real living breathing worlds if you have attention to detail but and that, I, I that's recognize true that. but any any given star trek series doesn't have a great deal of internal consistency to begin with yeah that that's right and i don't um, i don't think that's a big deal i recognize yeah. for the sake of telling stories like, sometimes the klingons bend or break the so rules. the klingons in the original series just looked like humans right <laughs> yeah just guys Which they refer to polish. they refer to in the deep space nine episode when they go back to yeah, yeah. and then so then you get some forehead action mm. coming in in um, Next Generation, mm-hmm. and now we've taken it a step further, and like their whole bodies are different. Like, so was it more not more that they were basically defined by more or less their the limitations of yeah the yeah at the time yeah. And I think the way the way they dealt with that in that Deep Space Nine episode was absolutely perfect. They ask Worf, "What's all that about?" And Worf says, "We don't want to talk about it. We don't like to talk about it." <laughs> And that's exactly right. Just gloss over it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. and um, uh, they they deal with it further in Enterprise, but I haven't seen Enterprise. It's something to do with uh, a virus, which some mm. Klingons have and some Klingons don't. Which is the wrong right. way to deal with it, because that's stupid. <laughs> I guess. Yes, that's kind of species work. I think if there's anything potentially wrong with new Star Trek, it's not that it looks different or the continuity in that. It's, it's Star Trek, to be Star Trek, it has to be nice, and unsophisticated and kind of unglossy and sentimental you think so i think so i think if if it's not those things i don't think it's really star trek but i think if you made a star trek like that now if you made a tng star trek now i don't think anybody would watch it we 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 are audiences are more sophisticated that's where you're wrong my friend (laughs) there are many Star Trek fan productions uh, yes. right now and have been made in the past. Well, maybe, maybe that's the right place to do and when yes. I say nobody, I mean hyperbolically of course, but yeah, maybe that's the right place to do that and let TV do what's appropriate to now. Yeah, and I, I actually wanted to segue to this because I think um, like at this point in Trek's history, it's 50 years old the normal mm. principles of intellectual property I think are starting to sort of be stretched is this franchise about a post-capitalist space utopia and it's tied up with all these like bickering license holders and and you know power clashes between producers and things like that and it just seems like uh where it where it does really belong is where um a lot of great stuff has been happening and that's out in the fan community yeah um and so uh what i'm hoping to do uh with with trek trudge going forward is uh maybe having some shorter interlude episodes now and then uh, where we actually cover some uh, of the more famous fan productions or maybe even some of the lesser known ones which I I think (laughs) will be fun kind of a way to mix it up okay sounds good to me does that include the uh, the Wharf Wharf Chronicles Uh (laughs) yep all all five seasons (laughs) um, technically I think that's a fan production right because it was not not sanctioned um well i it was like michael dawn was just pushing that i don't think um 
like you know all these these old actors they want to still yeah have he's, something he's to do a with fan them. of Worf. he's like the ultimate <laughs> Worf fan probably the biggest <laughs> Worf fan in the world which you know good for him Worf, Worf is a pretty solid guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally um, and uh so th- uh one more thing about discovery is that they say that oh there will be gays in space now there's gonna oh, be oh okay it's all gonna go wrong yeah you know yeah the destruction they put the women in charge and then suddenly yep. everybody's gay yeah oops they went um, far enough the voyager i mean look what she's seeing around was. yeah <laughs> On the other hand, these these fan productions have had gay characters for years, so yeah. it really kind of speaks sure, to how, um, how you know the progressive uh, the the fandom has been in comparison to the sluggishness of the official rights holders. Is there have, anybody? Have seen... Sorry, sorry, go ahead, Drew. No, after you, sir. I was just going to ask if it, if there was anybody in like the next generation that was probably gay. Uh, yes, there was. Uh, you remember First Contact, the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, so Is that the, from Cochran? The, yeah. Well, no. <laughs> He's always talking about like <laughs> ladies, isn't he? Yeah, that's yes. true. Um, the the character that's played by the actor from Desperate Housewives, um, I think his name is the character's name is Hawk or something, but it's it's never spoken on screen. Who gets I think assimilated towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil McDonough is the name of the actor, I think. Um, in right. the expanded universe of novels, he is a canon homosexual. Okay. He's gay in space. <laughs> is, is his assimilation like a metaphor for being sort of subsumed into the, the gay agenda? Well, as, as you know, those, uh, those TNG films were, were deeply, uh, you know, shot with <laughs> themes yeah. yeah. Really, really deep. Notoriously oh. right wing too. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Have you seen the latest um, Star Trek film? Oh yes, Beyond. Yes. So they made they made they made Sulu the character gay in that, right? Yes, they did. How far back does that extend? I don't know much about the original season. Did, I don't imagine they ever made it explicit in the original. No. Um, see, Takei says that he never played the character as gay. Mm-hmm. Um, but my theory is that he's uh, canon bisexual. So he had a wife in the prime timeline, and in the alternate timeline, he had a husband. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe he had a husband in the prime timeline, and they had a, a, a baby through space magic. <laughs> Which, you know, you can have babies through space magic now. Yeah. As well, like adoption. So, um, and so forth. do you guys actually uh, think the new um, Star Trek looks good? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it actually looks good. I was skeptical, but yeah. I actually think all of those things that have been touted as negatives, just like really high production values and things <laughs> like that, are, are actually really good. Like, yeah. Like I was looking at some of the like the costuming for like the Klingons, it's it's really amazing. Like it's, it's incredibly detailed. Uh, like a big budget. Uh, yeah. Do you think it's gonna fit, is it gonna feel like Star Trek though? Probably not. What but, does that mean? That, but think... that's sort of like that would be like making like a retro <laughs> intentionally 
yeah. like 90s thing or 60s thing or whichever. Well, do you, no, I, do. do you think it's impossible to do both? To have it no. look modern while um, feeling like Star Trek? Because Deep Space Nine had its flashback episode, yeah. so they got to kind of have fun with it. I mean, I guess that was a bit of 90s postmodernism, like... Um, well, Deep Space Nine was far more cynical than far more cynical about um, the, the structures in the show than either of the other series. I think maybe yeah. accepting Enterprise, which I've not seen. Um, yeah, in particular, the uh, I was reminded recently of Section Thirty One, the the shadowy yeah. organization that actually yeah, yeah, controlled yeah, 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 all yeah. the Federation history, and no one knows yeah. about them. Which, oh god, that's so nineties X Files government conspiracy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No sense what I mean, it's all all of Star Trek, all of that Star Trek was pre 9 11, wasn't it? I think that matters. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, uh, Something that I, this is just a minor notice, but I've noticed that a lot of post 9 11 movies, including Into Darkness, um, have the villain getting voluntarily captured, and that doesn't, like, seem to help. um, Yeah. Which I think is perhaps a kind of cultural. way of of recognizing that we we, like we we go into the middle east and we kill you know bin laden or whoever but it doesn't and it doesn't change anything yeah the the first avengers film i guess is a good example of that exactly yes and in skyfall uh, there's a couple of other examples as well the Um, the dark knight rises oh no the dark knight yes that's probably the first place that it happened and that was a very post 9-11 movie Do you know? Do you know the um the dialogue in Deep Space Nine between um Quark and uh, Garak about the Federation, mm. uh, comparing it to uh, root beer? Uh, were they? No. It's yeah. It's I, I need to find it. Can I find it? Is that okay? Yes, you can find it. Um, so uh, we were speaking about Beyond. Um, I think the the transition of writers. I, I understand Simon Pegg wrote beyond uh, instead of the normal team of uh, Orsi, Kurtzman and Lindelof uh, I, I think that really helped the movie um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether changing directors as well from J.J. Abrams to Justin Lin had an effect as well but it it, it seemed like uh, it was more in that former camp of uh, Trekkie media rather than media made by creatives who, who don't necessarily care about Trek yeah Are they um, are they going to make more of those? Well, see, that's the thing. They're very expensive to make, and they actually don't make that much money. Yeah. So it's it's uncertain. Root beer. Root beer. Yeah. What's the what's the relevant comparison? I'm loading the image. Oh my god, that's so long. <laughs> it's fine. If you drink enough of it, you begin to like it. Just like the Federation. Mm. Mm, I see. That's so very deep. Neither of them like root beer, but if, if they drink enough of it, they start to like it. Yeah. That's it's, the it's funny, though, because um, like Quark uh, really shouldn't have, have, have gotten to like the Federation because they were so, sort of like committing cultural genocide in the form of like assimilating his, his nephew. That's true. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Just... I think that's the point. I think that's what this dialogue is criticizing. That whole the feeling in the Federation that they they can't be wrong. Yeah. 
and, and everybody, yeah, everybody should be a simulator. Yeah. Also, the Jedi, Jedi uh, Order, same, same deal. Mm. Yep, same franchise. Only more stupid. Meanwhile, Armin Shimmerman just got a new job as like the um, Shakespeare professor at the uh, University of California, I think. Yeah, but that's cool. To him. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Right. Uh, so, shall we now move on to talking about the episode in question? Yes. Sure, which episode is that? So, Data we are reviewing Data Law, the famous evil twin episode from season one. Yeah. Uh, this was the final episode written by Gene Roddenberry before his death. I think that might come through in the way that Picard speechifies. There's a lot of that kind mm. of speechification in, in the first season where he just kind of goes over the obvious for the crew, I think. Um, here he does it with regards to, look, I know that Data is a machine, but just remember that we're also machines, and that may make you feel better. Yeah. Machines the most uncomfortable a... one of those was when he tells um, the, ER, the security officer, he tells yes. her that was a good question. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, unusual. But, um, He's like a... Like a that was a very like stupid a thing to say, but you were <laughs> right to say it. I would die for your right to say that's <laughs> Very stupid shit. <laughs> Um, and something else interesting about this episode is it's one of two episodes that was released to cinemas um, to wow. celebrate the, uh, well, to promote the um, uh, Blu-ray remastering. And oh. uh, I actually saw it in cinemas, and it, it holds up really well on the big screen. It looks really good. When, when did that happen? Uh, so it would have been 2015 or whenever they released the oh, okay. Blu-rays first. That's interesting. Yeah, and the other one How did was the, uh, where no one has the crystalline before, entity look on the big <laughs> screen. Um, well, see, the, the crystalline entity, uh, we have a Star Wars special edition situation here. They redid mm -hmm. it. Right, oh, it was remastered, right? With CG, yeah, because the original effects, a lot of the original effects like phases, transporters, and so forth, were done on video, so they don't upscale. To HD, they they don't match the 35 millimeter film elements, so they just go okay. and redo them with, with computers. Did they make it crystalline? Did they make it shoot first? Yeah, <laughs> the crystalline just shoots first in this version. So, um, I haven't seen this episode in a long time, and I couldn't stop thinking of the uh, episode of uh, Futurama with uh, with Flexo. With Flexo, yeah. <laughs> Which, they're, they're pretty good at taking down those tropes on uh, Futurama. Yeah, <laughs> particularly the uh, the crew's skepticism of like that this could not possibly be lore. We're oh, dealing the crew, with the crew are so yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, great job, guys. Um, yeah, lore lacks the the traditional like goatee or mustache that denotes evil. That would be great though. Give him away when they. When they remastered it, they should have added a like an evil good. Yeah. To lore. Should have been magnetic, like in Futurama as well. He just takes it out and puts it on. <laughs> uh, so, the episode opens with us uh, visiting Data's uh, home planet uh, in the Omicron Theta system, uh, and at this point, we don't know any of the Nunian Soong backstory, and neither do the characters. Mm. 
That surprised um, me from watching it. Yeah, it is surprising, especially considering that Data has Dr. Sung's memories implanted in him, as well as the memories of 411 <laughs> other colonists. Yeah. Which you would have thought would have been a giveaway, but I guess uh, it must just, the memories just must be incomplete in some way. I think the whole episode just feels like a not very good dream that somebody had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In that there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't, not, not nitpicking, you know, that doesn't add up, yeah. but uh, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make a lot of sense. I think like, if they'd gone back and remade it circa, you know, season four or five or whatever, it would have been a lot smoother. Yeah. 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 Like stuff like, oh, you're, you were you, but you weren't you. <laughs> like. And there's a little bit we right at the end. Jump, this, is, this is jumping forward right to the end. Mm-hmm. But right at the end, I swear, like. Data does a little twitch, which we, we get why he's doing that, because Law made him do that. But he also yep. does this look like maybe he's not the real Data after all. You know? <laughs> Ooh. Which, maybe. which a... he clearly is, so it doesn't make any sense. There's a very uh, interesting note about that particular line, but we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so when we first see Data, he's practicing sneezing. A little bit of comic <laughs> relief for you. Um, which seems kind of yeah. silly, but actually I think uh, this is a good sort of way to illustrate that um, artificial intelligences are going to have preferences that seem like really unusual and inexplicable to us so he's 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 trying to perfect this little mannerism while they're Mm. you know pulling up in orbit of his home planet and this surprises wesley and wesley says do you have a cold or something Oh, yeah, that's a disease that people used to get, my mom said. A disease that doesn't exist. So he's clearly just showing off there. And, of because course, I'm, cold, uh, I'm not sure if it's obvious, but I actually have a cold right now, so Star Trek is really rubbing <laughs> it in for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so why would uh, why would Wesley know what a cold is, but Data wouldn't? Because his mom is his mom is a doctor. Yeah. Like, couldn't, couldn't Data's... Well, I imagine it's it's a, a minor disease that is now eradicated. I guess wouldn't be yeah, almost but, but, but let's put it this way: assimilated these vast, you know, gigaquads of data inside. Yeah, sure, but the, but the normal because well, I can't remember how Wesley says it, but Wesley says it in a, an ambiguous way, and Data says it is what yeah, cold or something. But like yeah, that. but do you know what um, wouldn't have trouble with that right now? Google. Right. <laughs> sure. And then yeah, now, yeah. a post-Google yeah. data would be written very differently. Post-series. How about how about a disease that's not existed for five hundred years? It still has access to like. All no, no, but would it? Would it? But that medical something records, where yeah. that where that would not be the common usage. Right, like, that's true. Nobody uses cold in that way in, in present day language, so he doesn't expect that to be the meaning. Like, are you run down with a bit of dropsy or something? (laughs) The the vapors. Do you have the vapors? Well, that that could be the explanation from a linguistic perspective. It's like cold Mm. is a is a word that's um, polysemous, meaning it has many meanings. Uh, So data might not have been immediately apparent to him which meaning Wesley meant. Yeah, I I guess I guess it's like the not only is the word um, antiquated, but also the the way it's being used in the sentence. Mm. Mm. The, the, the syntax and the grammar surrounding the word. Like, do, do you have a cold? Do I have a cold? What I think was how it went. <laughs> yeah, now that's actually smart. I think. I think. Yeah. I think we, we got to the bottom of that. Good, good work, <laughs> yes. team. I uh, lose. So yeah, I was wrong. We we go down to that their planet, uh, and we learn that 
data was discovered 26 years ago, which, um, that seems longer than I remember. I thought he was only like eight or something, but go figure. Why did it take them well, this long to go, like, investigate his origins? Well, I guess he was uh, taken to Earth, where he went to the Academy, then he did various posts, on, and then he got on the Enterprise, and then they go back out. But still, you're, you're right, it's, it's quite a long time. You would think in 26 years he would be more, what is he, a lieutenant commander at this point? Uh, yeah, you I think, think that's, right. that's anti-robot prejudice? Yes. Well, I mean, judging by how long uh, Commander Riker stays as commander... <laughs> Has it been 26 yeah. years? Though? Yeah. Possibly. But isn't that sort of like in Pokemon when Ash chooses not to evolve uh, into... <laughs> into Raichu, like Riker has chosen not to evolve into captain. He is, he is offered a lot of captaincies during the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very similar. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spot on. data to a Pokemon. You. Good job. <laughs> um, no, 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 Riker. Music, Riker to Pokemon. Um, yeah. for when they go to discover the colony hideout, uh, it seemed very reminiscent to me of the alien music. The, the Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack. Did either of you notice this? I didn't. No. It's very like uh, the kind of two-note motif, which I think um, uh, it might play when they land on the planet or something. But it it it's, it's, seems to be kind of similar situations of oh they're exploring something and they don't know what could be in there, and it turns out it's something malevolent. Is it too like very synthy? notes on a like a uh, like no it's a orchestral. oh yeah and actually oh, I I, i'm pretty sure that it would have been tracked or, or something because it's it's nearly identical so they you're you're accusing them of stealing music from <laughs> well no like no more than john williams stole mars the bringer of war for or stravinsky's right of spring so john, did, john williams is a thief as well now he did steal right of spring the, the vile arrested. thief mm. Just gonna put my phone on mute. Um, then what do we do? Oh, um, we we walk down a nicely lit corridor with like dappled lighting. Um, yeah. Which would have been expensive just to build a corridor. Maybe they had it left over from like Far Point or something. It did look like a, a very large set. It must have been repurposed. Maybe uh, Memory Alpha has something on this. I'll t I'll check. Well, not that I saw. Um, but we, we the, the go into the laboratory. Uh, sorry. Oh, yeah? I was just going to say the episode has a very Roddenberry feel at this point. Yeah. It feels TOS-y. Yeah, I, I'd concur with that. that. That's, like, very pervasive throughout season one. Mm. Um, so in, in the laboratory, we see the ubiquitous light tube prop that... I don't <laughs> know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but it keeps popping up through Voyager. I, it's, I think it's even in... The Generations movie. It's this like thing that has like two fluorescent tubes or LED tubes or something that just glow orange and it looks like yeah. some sort of instrument. Like horizontal? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. 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 And I, I think this is probably the first appearance of that prop, so it's probably made for this episode. Looks very sciencey. Yeah, what does it do? Don't ask. Make science happen. Produces science. Science peeps. <laughs> um, 
And something else interesting that we notice in this room is all these kids' drawings of, like, colonists being massacred. Yeah. yeah so when were those uh, drawn? During the attack. That's a good question. They were sitting down with their kids, crayons. Kids, go and draw the, Go and draw this attack. It'll be like the kids Bayou Tapestry. Doesn't make much sense to me. I, Quick, I imagine go, there draw, would be, go draw this. I imagine there would be like a tie-in novel where they explain, they like show lore <laughs> interacting with the colonists and tell the side of the story that's not like the unreliable narrator. And that would See, probably don't make they go, more Don't sense they go me. back in another episode? I've got a vague memory of them going back to that place. The, or am I making that up? The entity does come back. Yeah, I think that's in season two. But it's yeah, a different the planet. The entity goes back and is murdered. Yeah, spoiler, yeah. spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and this is where Data remembers uh, Doctor Sung, uh, and mm. they created him, begging the question, like, you know, what, how didn't he remember him in the first place if he has his memories? But anyway, uh, Tasha conveniently tells us at this point she's left the room, and she beeps in on the communicator to tell us that the facility is very big. And there's lots of rooms. And don't worry, you don't need to see them. Because she's told us. <laughs> there's nothing in them, don't bother. Yep. It's all good. Uh, and then, then we we encounter what what may be the highlight of the episode. They uh, go to a cupboard and they open it up and uh, like smoke clears. And we see uh, a big um, protruding data ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you guys feel uh, about this sequence? Don't don't tell me you watch uh, Data Lore for the plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I wonder whose butt they had to cast in order to make the the model. It must must be Brent Spinner. Yeah, I think Brent uh, Brent Spiner would uh, happily he's, he's happily like agree that. to that. He did have a number of uh, doubles in this episode, though, in order to facilitate all the evil twin shenanigans mm. which wasn't badly done i've seen that criticized and i thought it was all right yeah it's it's pretty good for a first try i'd say um mm. uh brent spiner plays very well off of himself he does uh and i don't know to what extent it's due to the remastering but like all the split screen and stuff holds up yeah i didn't notice any anything no. jarring in my viewing also in that room is a a data mold Yes. They the whole, poured the whole something. And the, the something actually looks data. pretty good, like from a distance, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But then they show it, they take it from behind the smoke and they show us it up close, and it's like. <laughs> yeah. This is a mistake. They, they shouldn't have done that. No. Yeah. It probably was, uh, it probably looked okay in, um, in standard definition in 1980. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, it's around about here that we also learn that we don't have a proper ship's engineer yet. We have Mr. Argyle, mm -hmm. which, like, it's inexplicable why you would not have the principal cast, like, set up at this point, I guess. Geordie's in a red shirt, isn't he? Yeah, he's doing something like Helm or something. Yeah. Well, which is, which is weird. Like, somebody is, like, electric as, uh, what's his name, Biff Yeager? Yeah. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to lose that. You got to. You got to take advantage of that. Yeah, that's, I'm not that's actually right. clear on why he was uh, recast. To be honest, it's very good. Hmm. I guess not recast. It was fired. 
summarily. <laughs> Recast yeah, is nothing. Can bear further expansion. Are there any um, sort of extended universe stories about um, Argyle? Like novels uh, or anything? You know, I don't know. But I can find out within moments. All right, let's he pause gets, the podcast. He gets, he gets dismissed for gross misconduct. Was he um, really? <clears throat> As Geordie like should have been. Like lewd behavior? He could, he could not have been more lewd than Geordie. How is Geordie lewd? With, with the, um, the, the lady he becomes fascinated with and creates a replica of her and falls yeah. in love with her and then oh, tries to yeah. seduce the real woman version. Yeah. Really messed up. Robot girlfriend. Yeah. There's a lot of robot girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. in, in yeah. But, I think um, robot, robot girlfriend's okay, but robot girlfriend as a replica of a real person, including personality, is where it gets started. I think that happened in Futurama also with uh, what, Lu- yes. uh, Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu, yeah. <laughs> oh, according to uh, a comic book, uh, Mr. Argyle was murdered. Whoa. Oh no! Wow, by data. Uh, it? it was during a Borg incursion, I, I get. Oh no, he was killed a third time. Oh, wow. What? So he's been killed three. No, killed a fourth time by decapitation by Klingons. How <laughs> was he killed four times? This was an alternate reality in the novel Q and A, which is a very confusingly uh-huh. named novel, but it's about Q. Okay. That's a good. That's a good Q title. <laughs> is there another character named A? <laughs> uh, I think the premise is he's giving an interview or something. I think Spock's Very in clever. it. Maybe. Cute. Yeah. Why don't we just throw all the fun characters? In? Spock, <laughs> Kirk, Picard, <laughs> Tuvok, Mary Sue. Actually, I'm I'm wrong. Tuvok. Uh, Tuvok's in it. Tuvok no, and Tuvok. <laughs> and and Neelix. Oh, they get married. Three. <laughs> what they could do is they could save both Tuvok and Neelix in transport, separate transport buffers, and then yes. create Tuvix with the real ones, and then bring old old the copies of Neelix and Tuvok out. So they're all and, and at that point, why why not create a hundred two Vixes? It's the best of both worlds. And an entire an entire starship manned by two Vixes. Yeah. Two Vixes. They could have had like a Star Trek version of the Clone Wars, but with just with two Vixes. <laughs> just two Vixes. <laughs> Which would be fucking terrifying. This would have been a way to to not have to murder two Vix too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Poor guy. No, he was he was dreadfully annoying. When I watched that episode, I was waiting for them to kill him. Annoying oh, and ter- and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> He's a beautiful <laughs> new soul that was created. Very unique. He's a unique fucking future abomination. Future future technologies. <laughs> uh, so in in the meanwhile, in the world of data law, <clears throat> they take the android butt and the rest of him up to the uh, ship and try to. Put him back together. Do you think that's a good idea? The, the yeah, what part. could possibly go wrong? Is that a, is that a smart idea or or not? Uh, well, I mean, like Data himself is is pretty benign, so. Mm. I'm not saying it's necessarily not, but it obviously has risks that they what didn't I, seem to consider. 
what I would have assumed in their position is that it would probably be a non-functional uh, mm. prototype who might have like limited mm. AI or something. They seem to be generally naive about the implications of AI. They were a bit blasé. There's a, it, there's a similar thing where in, I can't remember, even remember which series this is in, but they get some AI missile. There are some AI missiles mm. that are conscious mm -hmm. going to a place, and they're very, very, very careful with that. I mean, it's a missile, but data's very strong. It's it's sort of like in uh, Spider-Man Two, when <laughs> Doctor Octopus invents like this mini sun, but also kind of yada yada. It's like, oh yeah, I invented like artificial intelligent tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a really about this uh, this sun thing I make. Which, you know, they by the, the best discoveries are incidental. Like, I think those two, they're, they're two big discoveries. Let's let's not gloss it over the. I guess. Cold fusion, that would be a, a bit of a leap for us. Yeah. Uh, um, but they're talking about this this robot uh, in the conference room, and I think you observed uh, something about this scene, Byron, uh, that Commander Riker says. <laughs> oh, yeah. Does he, does he got a dong? Yeah, he he seems to ask, inquire as, as to his genitals. That's a strange line. But I guess uh, Riker would ask that. Yeah, like, why was it relevant to the, the discussion? Do you think that Riker is romantically interested or just yeah. scientifically curious? Well, he's, he's he'll, anything that moves. Mm. William T. Riker, anything that moves. Yeah. Is it possible that we're just misreading? Like, he he was just generally asking, oh, so he's the same as you, right? Like, well, I... I think yeah. uh, oh, the line may have been written that way, but um, Jonathan Frakes' reading of the line is very clear yeah. to be suggestive, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the anything that moves thing, that, that seems to be one of the um, responsibilities of the second officer, first officer. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and he, he does have all his, all his parts. It's unclear to me, well, I guess... Uh, why, why Data would need genitals in the first place. It's the same reason that they give him like a humanoid form so that people can relate to yeah. him. Yeah. But presumably he wouldn't be great to have sex with because, you know, he's kind of a weirdo. Well, Tasha yeah. seemed to like it. She was incredibly intoxicated, though. And I think she regretted <laughs> it. Didn't their relationship carry on? Or was no. it just a one off? Oh, okay. she, I hate to tell you this, man. She died. <laughs> what? <laughs> You fuck it. Why are you fucking spoiling this? I've not got that point. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, there's no point watching it now. Oh, well. It's she comes back as a Romulus. As a Romulus. You know, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an upgrade. Actually, she comes back, yeah, she comes back at a different time, time travels, becomes her own mother, and then comes back as herself as a Romulus. Yep. And, it's a good uh, story. I've probably mentioned this before on the podcast, but I've actually never seen Yesterday's Enterprise, so I think it remains the only uh, TNG episode that I've never seen. Wow. So I'm thinking... Why, have you been de deliberately avoiding it? or? Yeah, I have. Nature of... um, like, what? I just Why? missed it when it was first running on television, and I have it uh, on Blu-ray now, but I'm just avoiding it because um, I feel like we can... Uh, work up to it in maybe a podcast. Uh, I like that. 
to us. Where does it come? Which series? Which season is it in? I believe it's series two. Okay. All right. Right around the corner. Yeah, right around the corner. But I've done the calculations, and even if we're doing like one a week, it'll still take over a year. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what? What is this? This is thirteen, right? Twelve. Twelve or thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. Depending on if you count Farpoint as two. Oh, yeah. Um, and this podcast started in late summer 2015, I think. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be the 23rd century by the time we get up to it. Yeah, really, really brisk pace. Partly my fault. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's entirely my fault. Entirely my fault, but that's all right. Um, okay. So... <laughs> Uh, Data shares his off switch uh, at this point, which um, occasionally pops up. Kind of kinky. Kind of. Uh, and so he, he clearly trusts uh, Dr. Crusher. It's, they treat it like a secret private part he has. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like, like a kind of embarrassed. critical design. Can he, can he reach his own off switch? Yeah. Uh, I think so, but then he wouldn't be able to turn himself back on. Oh, unless he clicked the alarm yeah. clock function. You'd think they would put his off switch somewhere where he could see people sneaking up to try and press his off switch. Yes, you would think that. And furthermore, you'd think that it would be somewhere where you can't accidentally press it if you like (laughs) lie down. Yeah. Yeah. Does it? Is there like a case that you have to lift or something, or like like is there like a? He he tells a joke. The doctor asks something, and he says it's an android alarm clock, and then says. Was that funny? And she says no. And I think she's wrong. I thought that was funny. Well, that's uh, there's a long tradition of uh, Doctor Crusher not finding Data's funny jokes to be funny. Yeah. I think, I think it's like it's ironic because it's because like it's supposed to be because he's not human and doesn't really understand humor. I think the real answer is that like uh, Doctor Crusher maybe just like has a little bit of bit of Asperger's or something mm. and just doesn't get jokes very well. In this situation, it's Mr. Data. I think he did crack yeah. the joke during like an, a medical emergency or something. Yeah, she oh. was perhaps not in the You're right. She was a little You're bit right. busy, but still. Of course, that uh, culminates in generations on the holodeck boat uh, when he <laughs> pushes her off the ship, which was very funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, no everybody did. else is doing it. Uh, so here we introduce the split-screen acting, um, where they're they're doing the operation on on the both of them in the one frame. Uh, so they yes. Yeah, so they're... why is um, Doctor Crusher qualified to do an operation on our on an android? Well, I think the idea George... is uh, she's working with the engineering people, and I think the idea is she makes an attempt to get to know how each of the respective physiologies of her uh, charges work, even if they're non-biological beings. Later it's, later it's Geordie who does that sort of thing, but he's not an engineer yet, so he can't yeah. do it. Yeah. Like, you can have Argyle. Is Argyle working on it? <laughs> I think he is, yeah. Yeah, you're right. He is. He's in there. Jeez Louise. God, God help you. <laughs> yeah, I found a screenshot here. Um, yeah, Argyle's standing right next to Crusher. And then uh, the first thing that Law does when he wakes up is makes a 
like a crack at data's expense, which you know <laughs> sets the tone. Um, yeah, uh, kind of a dick. Like clearly mm -hmm. a dick right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like, eh, gonna wander around unfettered. He's just forthright. Let's not though. trust Wesley when he says that um, data lore is an imposter data, because he's such a nice guy, seemingly. Yeah, you know. It's like, fuck <laughs> you, mother. This is my word. And then uh, ad break. We recap with Picard and 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 data and. Um, this would seem to me to be the logical point where they would arrange for some sort of like signal or secret thing that Data could do to himself so that he could be identified as Data, you know, just in case. Like that seems like the sort of thing that a smart <laughs> crew would. No, they no. did not see this coming at all. They're no, totally he's... caught off guard. He's charming. He's a charming android. He's not though. He's slimy. He... Oh, okay, that's your opinion. It's a fact. So, which one's the bad one? Uh, well, you know, it, it all depends on your point of view. Mm, wrong. Mm. Like the Jedi? Yes. Uh, but one thing that Laura is not is he's not very smart. Um, because they're uh, in the next scene telling him how the phone works. Again, just, you know, instantly trusting him with, like, the function of the, of the vessel. Uh, and he instantly falls into this like ploy that Riker sets, where he he said, and the square of a hypotenuse to the right triangle is equal to the square of the sum of the other two sides. Presumably, it's had, had it been established at that point that Law was pretending not to be smart, because I missed that. If that's the case, well, this was this was that bit. So uh, congratulations, you've witnessed. But, but, so Riker knew that Law was pretending to not be smart somehow. Well, because he was playing dumb about like the ship moving in three dimensions through space, mm. and then he so, knows this maths fact, which a computer would never know. No. Yeah, I didn't really understand the scene. Um, no. But like, so was Riker sort of already on to lore at this point? That's what that's what I mean. He didn't seem to have any motivation for it, trying to catch lore out over a trivial thing that yeah, could, it's not like proof of anything. He like does, and then if you did. In the episode, if he did have motivation, then why would he be so skeptical later? Yeah, and yeah. or uh, is obviously evil. Uh, it's this scene reminded me of a scene from uh, the great film Battlefield Earth. Yes, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen. I've not. And there's a great uh, sequence where uh, John Travolta and Forrest Whitaker, two like you know, award-winning actors, or maybe Travolta's not award-winning, but they're dressed as these, like, Halloween costume Klingons, uh, <laughs> and they're kind of trying to bait each other in the in the same... Uh, I, I kind of got the same vibe. Uh, and I think it's, like, where they've hidden some gold or something. And that scene culminates uh, in the revelation that Forrest Whitaker had given something to the friendly bartender and uh, Travolta had discovered this and had decapitated the, the bartender and had him, his head waiting in a drawer there just so that he could reveal this at the end of the scene and render the rest of the, <laughs> the wordplay meaningless. So I got that vibe from this scene. It's just kind of a... It, it's like yeah. 
they're intellectually luring each other, but it's just kind of dumb. It's silly and convoluted. So was that a metaphor uh, for Scientology? Uh, well, those those guys are, yes, because they're like intellectual elites uh, who are actually quite dumb. So they represent psychologists. <laughs> uh, That's why they're called sense. the cyclos. Right. So this has uh, seen obviously a metaphor for Scientology as well. Yes. Yeah. It's all Scientology. <laughs> I mean, you can think there's actually probably a, a, an alternate dimension where Gene Roddenberry also formed religion. Well, he sort of did, didn't he? Like people say, he did, but like, not to the same formal extent. I guess not. Maybe he just didn't live long enough to, uh, to you know, really, really, uh, you know, lock it in. It could be yet to happen. Food for thought. Um. Uh, now we get a scene where Data and Lord talk to each other and they talk about Dr. Sung and I thought I'd just mention at this point I don't know why this why Noonien Sung has such a similar name to Khan Khan Noonien Singh yeah I actually read on Wikipedia that it's a friend of Roddenberry's was called something Noonien Singh and so he named two characters after him well that would Which, explain it huh yeah, not really, very, not very interesting. Really good friend, really friend, <laughs> yes. really, really yeah. good friend. Yeah. So, look forward to the reboot starring uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as the creator, of Data. <laughs> and as Data as well. I think, I, I think uh, Benedict Cumberbatch would make a good uh, Data he Android. He if you were casting today, you could do worse. Mm -hmm. God, I wouldn't wish all that makeup on him though. Poor guy. Oh, he's fine. Right, he's professional. Um, uh, in this scene, we have some classic like Star Trek lighting of just the eyes to denote kind of intensity, which they used to do in the original series for Kirk occasionally. Mm -hmm. <coughs> but here it's on um, uh, on Law, and this is when he's giving his, uh, I think, his unreliable narration about uh, how the colonists got jealous of him, and so they they shut him down and made a more pliable. Uh, you know, eunuch android. Mm -hmm. But uh, still, and... ironically, with with full genitalia. That was that was that was part of the problem. Mm. Yeah. He, Why they were jealous? He was fucking all the colonists. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, and... Brent Brent Spine is very good at, at portraying two different characters who look identical. Like you got, you did get an evil vibe from Law, and you yeah. get this innocent, you know, naive vibe. I think, I think that's partially because uh, Dado is one of those classic Star Trek not allowed to emote characters. Yeah. So yeah. all he has to do is emote. <laughs> and he looks different. Yeah. Um, I think he does it a little better in latter episodes, though. That's just based on my recollection. I think it's a I little agree, yeah. awkward here, based on some of the yeah. deliveries. But he re he really does convey like two different mm. guys. Mm. To his credit. Well. I I'm sure you were going to bring this up, but even slips up at one point and uses a contraction as data. Yes, at the very end. That's what I mean. At the very end, at the very end, they seem that's to be right. hinting that that's actually fucking law, which that's confuses me. But I think that was just an <laughs> error. We just killed the wrong android. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Um, I mean, this episode is very bad. 
Oh, come on now. Not a spoiler. Yeah. It's very bad. Um, and the, the thing One with thing. using contractions, which they also talk about in this scene, is uh, it's kind of a misconception that contractions are like informal or, or colloquial. Like, mm. it's, it's, they're not really that complicated for like a computer to master or... And, like yeah, the, I think it's one, of the, it's one of those symbolic things. Like the the cult, it represents something rather than being particularly cohesive. I think. Yeah, I, I guess I can. Yeah, well, I always thought it was weird that Data couldn't use contractions, but this this actually yeah. rewatching this actually cleared it up a little bit. Where it seemed to be implied that it was a very deliberate decision, just as a sort of almost like an arbitrary indicator. I prefer that. I because pre- later on they 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 make it very clear that he cannot contract, but I prefer him making a choice. But like, if he cannot, but the, but that was like a, but it was like hard, it's hard coded into a system, right? Well, um, yeah, because he's he's a he's a neural net, isn't he? So it's sort of yeah, it would just nothing be like, is kind of hard. Uh, the way in which he learned language would lack certain nuance, such as features mm. like contractions. But that's the but that's re- that's the opposite of what I got from this episode, which is that like that that was not just a byproduct, but it was one of the, like a deliberate, uh, like almost symbolic representation that they put in. But it wasn't mm. just like, you have emotions, use contractions or something like that. It was like- Yeah, I, I think they make it- It's an idiosyncrasy rather than a deficiency. Yeah, that's better. The, the way it is in this episode, this episode is better. When they make it, because later on they do explicitly make it a, a technological or technical thing that he cannot learn to, things, he learns to use them or something. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The future. No. Um, but the, the, the point that I had here was that Queen Elizabeth actually uh, has used contractions in her Christmas addresses since 1950. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> they're, not, they're, not in, they're not in common in formal writing. Yeah, it's like... In terms of formality, you're you've got no leg to stand on. But anyway, mm. um, so then the the crew sees uh, we get the uh, Tasha asks the dumb question uh, about can you really trust data, and we see uh, <laughs> the crystalline entity uh, come back on screen in glorious high definition. The, the question's less dumb than Picard's response, I think. You, right? Yeah. Yeah. Picard's response is. Fucking absurd. But it's perfectly. Logical. I I was confused by that because it almost seemed like she should have been asking, "Can we trust Lore?" Like nobody was asking that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. that Lore's here, yeah. can we trust Data? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, you probably can trust the guy that you trusted before. But what about the new guy? Can you what about him? the new the new evil version of Data? Should we trust him? But, eh, sure. He seems let, let him go. Let him wander around the ship. Yeah. Give him some guns. Uh, and at that point they mentioned that he's been gathering some sort of materials that they use to uh, repair themselves I think but they don't mention that that can knock Data out yeah in the next scene he drugs him with champagne which like I don't think we've ever seen subsequently I guess that's because Lore would know more better than anyone else would how to drug Data but it just it seems incongruous with yeah, and it's more it's more of this episode making no sense. He describes it as a material that's used in his production or something like that, and doesn't mention that it's also an an, an anaesthetic or his kind, which 
seems like missing out the, the important detail about that substance. Yeah. Especially when talking about your evil twin. Gosh, just so much, so much oversight. Who's in charge <laughs> of that, that damn ship? Wesley. Well, <laughs> uh, Wesley <laughs> thinks he's in charge, uh, but uh, at, at this point in the episode, we get the famous shut up Wesley line yeah. by Captain Picard and uh, Dr. Crush. There are a few, there are a few, I mean, it's a trope, isn't it? The, kid, the kids noticing something that the adults don't notice. And yeah. mm -hmm. there are several... In this case. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing. The, the one... There's one where somebody brings a game onto the ship. I think it's Riker brings a game onto the that's ship. That's right. That, yeah. that, you know, that's a much better version of this idea. Yeah, that, I think that was like season five or something. Yeah. Actually, Judd in it. He was a cadet at that point. Uh, so yeah, they would they were definitely um, a lot further along in. in yeah. In yeah. How they managed to handle. I don't remember that episode. Was the game Jumanji? It was well, basically Jumanji with holes. Yeah. It was putting, I think I think they describe it in the show as a, it's a game where you put balls in holes. Is it that like three D game where they're flying and? It's a it's a funnel shaped purple it's thing and you have analogy. to put balls in it. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not like what is that Parisi Square or something? No, no. Square. It's a it's like VR. They put these glasses on and then they can walk around while playing the game in a sort of three D uh, kind of thing. It's all reality. Yes. Yeah. Did you guys see the uh, Ready Player One trailer? Yeah, oh, it looks I, actually quite good. I heard that that was a thing that was coming out. I yeah, saw that cool. um, another uh, former Trek Trudge regular uh, was not enamored of it. Oh, really? Garth? Yes. But he said he didn't like the book, though. Right. I didn't like the book, but I do like the, the trailer. I like I, the story. The story was good. The narrative was good in the book, but the prose was dreadful. Does it have anyone from Bing Bong Theory in it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Don't know. Uh, it's, it's it's probably not a good idea to like date this part of the podcast since this is like the evergreen part. <laughs> I think I missed my chance to talk about the more topical stuff at the top of the show. So uh, sorry, guys. Right, moving on. Um... Uh, th this is another point where it seems like Riker is kind of cottoning on because he uh, joins in the Wesley beat up, but mm. he does it in a way that's kind of, I will accompany the child and the android, mm. uh, and it, it, it's it's directed at Wesley, but it could be a covert attempt to kind of you know get into Law's business. It could be. We think he's data at this point. If the writing had yeah. been more clever, but it turns out not yeah, to be. Yeah, it's, it's not played that way. Like, he doesn't no. display any Which is a shame. skepticism. Also, Riker's another one who gets an evil twin later on. Yeah. Mm. There's more of a neutral twin. Well, no, he becomes, he becomes evil in, the, in Deep Space Nine, but then becomes neutral again at the end. Darn it. Mm. W. Thomas Riker, you naughty boy. <laughs> Yellow shirt bastard um yeah it's probably an issue with direction rather than perhaps the script or maybe the script should have made it i think it's both i think it's both because yeah. i mean that that isn't the purpose that that is serving it doesn't play out like that so it's both yeah it it could well have with but a little it could have but it should have it really should have what a shame right 
Uh, and, so this is where they go to the quarters and and uh, Data has the Twitch or something? Yes. That's yeah. right. Which is basically like, the Twitch is Flexo's beard. <laughs> right. And um, it was actually in the previous scene that Wesley spots it, uh, but then he doesn't use contra contractions, so, oh, it must be Data. Mm. Um uh, and uh, after this, I think they go to the. Uh, oh, they probably go back to the quarters, and uh, he plays with the button on his back and makes him jerk around. Yes. Yeah. That was kind um, of a funny scene. He's, he's refusing to turn on because he senses your presence. Yeah. <laughs> he's just having a tantrum. Like a fucking Jedi. <laughs> what a baby. <laughs> uh, and so they just leave him to his business, you know, no questions asked, which of course Riker wouldn't have done if he was mm -hmm. really sceptical. Uh, but it means that we get to go down to the one of the cargo bays and have a pretty cool fight scene uh, with some, some, some pretty neat stunt work, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, like, did, did, um, did Lore attack Worf yet? Oh yeah, he's yes, attacked yeah, the, in, lift. In the turbo lift. Yeah. yeah. I think on the the wharf effect which is you can use that I guess as a calibration of the of the relative strengths of various Star Trek races the truck yeah the truck oh stumbled on a truck <laughs> yeah can you explain the wharf effect James uh, I don't think I'm we probably explained it explained it previously but uh, it's just that um, wharf is the strongest character on the ship and so to show how strong the monster of the week is, they'll have him immediately <laughs> attack out Worf. And as a result, yeah, like... uh, Worf's capabilities seem, like, diminished uh, in terms of because <laughs> so like the... he's constantly getting owned. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the, the power level scouter in Dragon yeah. Ball Z. Yeah. Right. Well, bring, it, bring it back to the anime references again. Much <laughs> <laughs> like Star Trek anime. Pokemon and Dragon Ball. So cool. <laughs> uh, Did we so talk about... Um, I know we didn't, but should we talk about um, the name lore? Yes, yes, I think we should. I think that's interesting. Um, so, it doesn't seem logical, but do you have a take? Well, I I think I... I don't remember where, but I heard some somebody talking about lore recently. And in a way that I had never heard before, which is like, like lore is essentially the opposite of data in so much as we're talking about lore or mythology. So you have data yeah. who interprets actual data. Um, and then you have the sort of more human lore who, who's, who's operating more on the, the level of, of sort of ideology. His emo emotions and super ego. Yeah. His emotions and desires and. He's, he's the humanities version of data. Constant right. cracks. So the sort of like that is the, the opposite of, of he's sort of the unscientific data. Yeah. Like yeah. Or is the data. I think we should explain. Explain that he's, I don't know if he's kind of, oh, you could say he's the more human data because he's sort of a psychopath. Well, he has, he has yeah, human. I mean, that's, that's what humans are. Yeah. I guess. Like, but he, he just has this kind of casual disregard for human life. I, th I mean, I think it's sort of softly implied that 
he, he has all the qualities of humans, but because we grow up as humans, we learn to control those urges. And he's mm-hmm. essentially a baby with super strength and, you know, super intelligence. Yeah, I could, I could, uh, I can dig that. But I mean, I, I feel like the, the, the implication more is like that data plus human, more with given more hu- human qualities makes it worse. Like, yeah. lack of humanity is a an advantage. Yeah, yeah, and and defines him. Yeah. yeah. Even though he wants to be human. Yeah, which is a silly desire. Yeah, but that's his. That's his. Uh, that's his robot preference, flesh. though. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the thing that, because I remember in some philosophy class, it might have been an ethics class or philosophy of mind or something. Um, they talk about, or they talk to me about, uh, like a thermostat. If a thermostat had preferences, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't be able to understand what those those preferences were. Like it wouldn't be, oh, keep the room at a comfortable temperature. It would be, you know, maybe do some sort of input or have my have myself running at a certain in a certain way. Like it would just be weird and inexplicable to us because it's mm-hmm. got a biological mm-hmm. brain. So Data's preference, because of the the way he was made by by Doctor Sung, is to uh, be more human and to. That's I think there's a there's a Wittgenstein quote something like oh, yeah. if if lions could talk we wouldn't understand them more, which is yes. essentially the same thing. Yeah, I yeah I'm on board with that, completely. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Good tangent. <laughs> Getting in those, <laughs> in those philosophy takes. Pat <laughs> myself on the back for kicking off that tangent there. Um, so, and we're nearly yeah. at the end anyway. Uh, Law and Data have uh, a bit of repartee where um, Data says that he wishes he was an only child. Uh, <laughs> yeah. when, so when Data makes quips like that, mm-hmm. I'm always a little bit confused of where, yeah. like, it seems a little emotional, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there's an episode where, because Data is clearly emotional. Yeah, many yeah. times, but all of the crew believe that he's not. Apart from, I think I think one of the doctors um, says something like, "You're clearly being emotional," and oh, so they do. They are aware of it. Yeah, no, Data definitely has emotions. I, yeah. I don't understand why they deny this. Yeah, yeah. The it seems, it seems like they just they they've got together and agreed to bully him. <laughs> right, but well, it's him, he that. himself claims not to have emotions. Well, everybody keeps thinking he's he does. Bullied, he's been bullied into believing it. I guess this is like they could be like considered to be just constellations of behavior that resemble emotional yeah, responses. They can, they can with humans too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the problem of other minds, perhaps. Mm. Uh, like he he uh, sees other people's emotional reactions. He doesn't have the same external reaction, so he wonders. Well, maybe. Uh, what I feel isn't emotions. Right. There's no way that I can but know that like, what I feel it, is like what they feel. So it sort of just becomes exactly right. It sort of becomes irrelevant. It's like okay, well, yeah, what is yeah. that? What am I? But they do. They all. They all continue to tell him that he doesn't have emotions. That's the part that bothers me. But then he actually gets an emotion chip, and he just starts yeah. acting like a, a, a goof ass. Like I don't like that. <laughs> is goof ass a term? Yeah. Like, well, I'm yeah. Data. I've been a <laughs> Who's a 
people can't both wait. though. Uh, <laughs> can't wait to review Star Trek Generations on this podcast. <laughs> Great film. Um, and then they have the fight scene that I mentioned. There's this cool wire stunt where one of them, one of the doubles, throws the other double over his head, which I thought looked pretty cool. Can I can I just go back a little bit? Oh yeah. To the bit where they come up with the plan, or Law suggests the plan of beaming a tree into space, right. <laughs> and then shooting it to show the crystalline entity how powerful they are, and everybody goes, "Yeah, that sounds oh, like yeah. a good plan." Sure. Yeah, like according to the rules of the warp effect, they should have beamed warp into space. <laughs> <laughs> that is the stupidest idea I've ever heard on Star Trek. And they all just say, I think this episode would make sense if the previous night all the bridge officers have been to a party and everybody's just really hung over. The tree. Hey, hey, maybe. That out there. Drunk some of that spiked champagne. The, uh, the, what's it, Romulan, Romulan ale. Illegal. Illegal beverage. Uh, illegal beverage that they always have anyway, because they don't care. It's like uh, Mavericks. <laughs> yes. Oh, and did I mention that um, Law calls Wesley the troublesome little man-child? No. <laughs> that's, that's another that's good fun. quote. I was considering that one at the top. Right. Would, it, would, would, would the episode have been better if in the bit where they say shut up Wesley, Picard had instead said shut up you irritating little man-child? <laughs> yes. I think so. I the Wesley beat-up. That's why people sign up. <laughs> yeah. Poor kid. Yeah. But he becomes it becomes a magical space fairy later. So. He's really he's really talented. He's like Mozart with warp field equations. Bought by Native yeah. Americans. Mm. Not racist. No, not at all. In the in the nineties, uh, Native Americans were actually magic. Oh boy. Right, so what, what happened? What happened next, James? Uh, wrap this up. I mean, they transport Law to question mark. They just transport oh, yeah. him. They, they trap him in the transporter, and he's off. And so mm-hmm. this is—I wasn't totally clear on how this worked. He was mid phaser fire, yeah, and got yes. out, and the, it's, it eliminated the phaser. Shouldn't the beam have continued traveling? I like that that happened though. Because it's it's uh, energy. It's an energy weapon, isn't it? And the transporters take care of matter. But then on the other hand, yeah. it doesn't move at the speed of light. Um, it's slightly slower. Like mm-hmm. you can see it moving. So not slightly slower, but a great deal slower, uh, which would indicate that it's a particle beam of some sort. So maybe uh, it can trap the particles. But you're removing the phaser. So does that when you cut off the phaser, does 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 the beam mm. stop? It's kind of uh, Kylo Ren. In <laughs> it is a bit. Cool trick. Yeah. yeah. I think it's magic and it's fine. I guess we don't know enough about the science of phasers to nitpick yeah. the behavior. But what we do know, circumstances. what we do know for certain is that it's law that's left behind on the ship. And for the rest of Star Trek, <laughs> that's actually law. We know that for an absolute undeniable fact. It's very good at bluffing. Well, we know we... We encounter Lore again. And, and that's actually, that's Laura. Data. That's Data who's gone crazy. mad because he was beamed into space. Yeah. Like, he starts to believe that he's Lore. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's canon. 
I've a little bit like read the um, physics of Star Trek, so I'm supposed to know all about phases, but I, I oh, I've kind of forgotten. Really, falling down on the job here. <laughs> Good book. Wow. I've read a couple of those X's of Star Trek. It's too bad. I guess you might as well not have if you didn't retain any of the information. Oh, well, apart from the, the enjoyment, the enjoyment of reading, no, leading joy is now gone forever, though. Mm, that's like I, I remember how warp uh, things work. Do you remember anything about um, like Klingon anatomy? <laughs> yes, they have redundant uh, like organs, but I, and heads. I guess that's just in the show. If their head gets cut off, they have a second head that pops out. Just flips up. Like a. Mm -hmm. Like pop-up like headlights on a car. All heads. heads. Spencer. Yeah. Kind so of it'll thing. be like a, a cute little comical head. Like a yeah. helium voice. <laughs> and then it grows. And then it gets its own TV show 20 years later starring Worf. The Worf Chronicles. As the Captain, everyone's favorite, Mr. Wolf. So, that's the end. Lore gets lost in space, and then what happened? No, Data gets lost in space. <laughs> yeah, Data gets lost <laughs> in um, space. Picard comes in and makes a little episode wrapping up quip with uh, Commander Riker. I think about how uh, Data's uh, just human enough, or something. Yeah, and yeah. how they need to get new computers. For some right, reason. Which they do <laughs> in two episodes. Two episodes later. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess uh, it can also be mentioned that uh, uh, Dr. Crusher got her arm set on fire by the phaser. Uh, which <laughs> is pretty cool. That's one of the few instances where they do like a practical effect for it. Yeah. Don't phasers just like evaporate your matter? No. It depends on the setting. It's the I always well, figured they were so kind of like hand It was... It was set to lighter. Yeah. Set to fire mode. Um, yeah, I figured they were like hand buzzers on the stun setting. They just kind of like jolt you. Yeah. They wouldn't they wouldn't really on <laughs> fire. Hand which means it wasn't on stun yeah. setting, which means what? you should... They, they, they use them for practical jokes all the time. <laughs> what is the principle of hand... Is it like literally you're electrically shocking someone? No, I think they just vibrate. I think they... Right. It's, it's supposed to feel like an electric shock, but it just vibrates, I think. Right. Yeah. I don't know why I had that impression, but yeah, I've I've I felt like it was the same principle in operation. They just kind of like hit you and just kind of <laughs> scramble you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's right. Sounds intensely pleasurable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, um, there's plenty of room in the cannon. Like, if Lieutenant Barclay can have holodeck addiction, I'm sure there can be like phaser <laughs> fetish. <laughs> vibration well that's disillusioning well anyway mm. this concludes uh the the podcast review of recap of uh data law season one episode 12 that's a lot we give it some kind of like um rating rating yeah i i give it uh it's good for a season one episode because some of them season one episodes are really bad mm. yeah i agree with that I don't. I think it's bad even for a season one episode. Well, but it's got some. It's got some interesting stuff in it. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah. I think it set up set up a lot of important stuff about data yeah. in general. Yeah. Even if it was yeah. like sure. 
it's yeah. it's weird compared to what we now know of him, but he wouldn't have gotten there without mm. the, these these origin it's, stories. Probably. Uh, it's the um, uh, the perfect strangers uh, effect <laughs> where they try to set up the status quo with the least amount of fuss. Yeah. <laughs> In reference. Um, uh, and I can't remember if it, this ep- if it was this episode, but I remember that uh, the original Doctor Sung. Uh, was going to be Mike Okuda just as a photo in a file. Um, does that Mike ring a bell for either of you? I don't know who that is. So Mike Okuda is the technical advisor and scenic artist for uh, much of Star Trek's run from like TNG onwards. I think he even had a hand in uh, like the 2009 film. Uh, and, and maybe some of the others, and like he's like hugely involved. He's he's like the guy if you if you want to know how Trek works. And so like as a little kind of homage, they were gonna uh, make him the face of Doctor Sung when they didn't anticipate that he would be a character <laughs> portrayed by an actor. Right. But then of course. But then um, he was just portrayed by Brent Spiner. Yeah, they never used mm. the shot of the the like dossier file with his picture in it. Uh, so they didn't have to retcon, and it was just Brent Spiner in old man makeup. Well, that's handy. Yeah, real convenient. Could have launched. I'm a, glad they didn't have to retcon anything. Could have launched a stellar acting career for for the man, and then you might have heard of him. <laughs> well, thanks for joining, Hi. everyone. I hope you'll join us next time on, on Trek Trench when I may or may not still be nominally in charge. Will it, will it go out a, with a bang with the Michael Kuda anecdote. Yeah. What's Does the next, have any what's like the next closing episode? Thoughts? The next episode um, is... Is the sexist one. Um, it's uh, Angel One. Major One? Angel One. It's a planet where girls oh, are in charge. Of oh, the uh, sexist episode. The yeah. only one. Yeah. Riker gets to wear a lovely off-the-shoulder number. Kind of like, um, like, kind of like maybe chauvinist '80s business dudes, except mm-hmm. the ladies. Mm. Like slap right. the secretary on the ass. Look forward to it. Like the dude. Like the set of Mad Men. Just in like space. It. It's mad it is. Space. It is Mad. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks, good James. Morning. Thanks for hosting. Good job. Um, Thank you. Li- live long, and uh, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.